0: It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, with certified financial planners Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory.
1: The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel
0: University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the CFPs on the show. Kevin's out today with me in the KFG studios, my business partner and fellow CFP, Josh Gregory. Good to be with you, Mike. You too.
1: Well, listen, 2020 is going to go down as one of the most unusual years in investment history. So the question is, what investment opportunities should you be watching for as we enter into 2021? And what moves should you be making?
0: We're gonna cover that and more on today's episode. I can't wait to tell my kids about the about the stock market in 2020, like out there in the future. No one's gonna believe it. Right. No, no, it unless you live through it, you're not gonna believe it. And uh and there is this thing that we all have, believe it or not, I do, and Josh does, and you do too. It's called investment amnesia. Ooh. <laughs> so, we all, it's like, what have you done for me lately? You will forget the craziness of 2020 pretty soon, but we're going to we are gonna give you some context for it right now. If you have questions, we'd love to hear from you. You can submit questions to the show in several different ways. Call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. OnlineWiseMoneyShow.com. Submit a question right there on the right and catch up on all of their Other stuff right there on the website and then social media and YouTube or Facebook, whatever, lots of questions are submitted that way. Just wherever you're at, search The Wise Money Show, follow us there. It was the best of times and it was the worst of times. That's no. that's the. You're summer. so literary. Here. <laughs> that is, I said amnesia, and then I quoted a book. Yeah. Uh, there we go. Do you know what book? No, I have no idea. <laughs> what, was it War and Peace? <laughs> I think it. I think it was. I, but so. I think it was Tale of Two Cities, maybe. Maybe I don't know. Someone someone will get mad at us right now. I think. But listen, that pretty much sums up 2020. I, I mean, it was it was terrible and it was great. If you were living in a bubble, like if you were in a bunker. And just didn't you went you hibernated on one one of twenty, and took a long nap or a long hike in northern Alaska, and just had no connection to the outside world, and you came back on twelve thirty one. If you looked at the markets, you'd say great year. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, very uh, the, D- different the, roller coaster ride between
1: here and there, though. And uh, those of us that were conscious for the whole twenty twenty and experienced the. The whole thing, man, what what a doozy and um, unpredictable at some level, right? I mean, I'm remembering to where we were a year ago, so January of 2020. um, You know, we're coming off of the the longest bull market in history, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it had been 10 years since we had seen the stock market decline at all, and and we were really encouraging clients to be cautious at that time. But that was before we had the word COVID in our vernacular. We didn't know what that was really. Mm-hmm. Um, or certainly, it, I mean, that's not going to come here, right? That's not going to affect us, is it? And um, so so it was just more general caution that, hey, bear markets happen. Stock market declines. They do, they do happen for a variety of reasons, but... Um, you know, not in modern history has it been a pandemic that's caused it. And now we've experienced that too.
0: Well, so let's get into the numbers. These don't translate well over the radio, but but if we look back at performance really quick, large cap stocks in here in the US were up 18%. Small cap stocks, we're going to talk about this, lagged the entire year, but actually outperformed. They were up 20% for the year. International still struggled at, at 8%, but emerging markets, again, raced to the finish. They outperformed large-cap stocks too. Emerge, and let me say that again because it's just so, you wouldn't believe it. Uh, it's so foreign, if you will. Um, emerging markets outperformed large-cap U.S. Real estate was down five, commodities down three, and bonds, oh my goodness, as interest rates plummeted, bonds were up 7%. Guys, none of that's normal. And speaking of those double digits, unbelievable returns. Up 18, up 20, up 18.
1: That's way above
0: average. Right? Way above average. It, maybe
1: um, when you look at 2019's performance and then 2020's performance, you, that investor amnesia starts making you believe, oh, well, this happens all the time, right? Yeah. Now, no, high double digit returns like that is not normal. Um, but it it also, in some ways, when you look at... How did the U.S. stock market do? Up 18%. It kind of masks over, though, kind of that comment that you were making, best of times, worst of times. Well, you can apply that comment to different portions of the year. There were parts of the year where everyone was just really fearful, really endangered, it felt like. And then there were times when things were awesome. But you can also look at certain segments of the economy and say the same thing where there have been clear winners and clear losers along the way. Some industries have suffered terribly. Others have boomed at at a level that we've never seen before. And you bring it all together, and that's what makes up this 18.4% rate of return for the the large U.S. stocks. So there are are many that were up multiples of that, many that were really suffering throughout the year. And so the, the question is, well, does... A stock market index like the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the S&P 500, does it tell the whole story? Certainly not. If you lived through 2020 and you were paying attention, if you were that person that went on the hike in yeah. Alaska, is that yeah. what you are saying? Northern Alaska. Northern Alaska, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that person misses that part of the story by just looking at these box scores here. And
0: speaking of story, it, Tale of Two Cities, and thanks. To you looked Victoria. it up? Of course I did. Okay. But here's the thing. So what, one of those chapters in the story of the stock market last year that ended with, hey, up 18%, all of those indices, the large caps, small caps, international, blah, 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 other than bonds, were down 30% on March 23rd. They were some a little bit better, some much worse. Down 30 some percent and we finished the year at those levels. Let me tell you what happened in between. The best 50 days in the stock market ever, ever. The best 100 days in the stock market in 100 years. The best month ever, 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 ever for small caps. Prior to that, the best month ever in small caps was 15% in a month. And it hit that a few times. No, small caps were up 21%. In November. In November. They're up 37% in the past 10 weeks. We had the biggest jump to reach a new all-time high ever in the market, and we're now at the second highest valuations, geeky stuff, since um, the second highest um, and only second to what happened in 99 in 2000. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And a lot of people are scratching
1: their heads saying, well, what in the world is driving this? Is is Does it make sense even? Um, is the stock market getting ahead of itself in some way? And I, I think that we need to kind of go back to, well, what drove the stock market down back in February and March? It was the anticipation that if the economy grinds to a halt and we're not going to movies, we're not traveling, we're not eating out at restaurants, production has stopped and layoffs are happening and people are struggling to make rent or pay their mortgage. When that type of economic activity grinds to a halt, people suffer. And what what a lot of people don't realize is that the stock market anticipates that happening. And so it was the stock market falling first Correct. before we even had shutdowns happening, mm-hmm. right? Lockdowns hadn't even started occurring and the worst of the stock market was already over. Now on the upside, the stock market is anticipating where the economy could be going. Now, does it have it right? That's what we're going to talk more about.
0: Yeah. Up. And, and so we're going to talk about the factors that sort of contributed to to how the stock market um, you know, traveled last year. But more importantly, upcoming, we're going to talk about what themes are going to be driving it that you need to look out for for 2021. And then therefore, how should you position your dollars? Guys, the two biggest buzzwords in investing right now are Bitcoin and Tesla. We're going to talk about that as well. So we've got a lot more coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. What's going on in the stock market? What should you expect for the year ahead after the meteoric rise that we've had? How should you position your investments? We're talking about all of those things right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Joshua Gregory. Kevin is out today on a mission trip. We love him and support him in that. And here we are talking about the investment world. Uh, If you are new and you haven't checked out every episode on our YouTube channel, check it out. Go to YouTube, search The Wise Money Show and sign up for notifications and like the content, share the content and leave questions there as well. Okay. So The Wise Money Show is about comprehensive financial planning okay and how you've got to make great financial decisions through the context of how all six areas of your life will be impacted by that decision one of those areas one of those six is investment planning it gets way too much attention because it's really just well what strategy are your investments but how does that connect with your taxes with your cash flow with your retirement and so so financial planning is more than just investment strategy but at least twice a year we're going to devote a whole show to what in the world is happening in the investment world. And that's today's show. We're looking back at 2020 the craziness and we're looking forward at 2021. So what drove the insanity well, of, of 2020, right? Or maybe, you know, the craziness. Yeah. Right. And um,
1: you're kind of showing your cards a little bit about your interpretation of what's been going on and, and I share that yeah. as well. Um, However, the, the pattern makes sense. I mean, uh, as we were saying in the last segment, the overall stock market, it begins its climb or its fall before the economy begins to suffer or begins to, to thrive again. And what we saw in on, on March 23rd, we hit bottom in the stock market and it's been climbing ever since, um, that essentially represents the stock market's prediction that the overall economy it's going to bounce back and it is bouncing back yeah the the question though is is the stock market um climbing or predicting a stronger more robust economy than what really is happening or is it actually just responding to what kind of economic stimulus and fed action is is really happening you you look at the the strong performance in the market it's usually driven by vaccine announcements you know trying to give some sort of of help and pred- prediction that um you know that covid's not going to win we're, we're going to get people uh, vaccinated we're going to get people safe we're going to get back to normal that's sort of the message. Um, embedded in a, in a vaccine announcement. But then also the, the other driver that we see pushing the market higher is every time, uh, our our government officials come out and say, Hey, we're we're having great negotiations on the next round of stimulus. You know, Joe Biden saying recently, "We're we're going to get $2,000 checks out to everybody. And what does the market do?
0: Loves it. Right? So yeah. So let's get into some of the details, but, but before we do, um, Yes, even though I show the cards and Josh shares the sentiment that this seems crazy, it is very dangerous to to ever think you know more than the market, mm-hmm. right? Because the stock market is really just the collective wisdom of I I would the smartest people on the planet, right? And so to say I know more than them or I know better than them is uh, is always dangerous. Now, The other thing with a herd of people is you get momentum Mm -hmm. and you've, you've got herd mentality and that's how you get the craziness of, you know, lemmings is the great, is a great example. So, Mm -hmm. so there is this question of, well, wait a second, has the herd taken things too far, but I would just warn you, even though this seems like lots of speculation in the markets, it's just dangerous to say, well, this is wrong. Well, no, I mean, this is the collective wisdom of everything we know today. You're exactly right. And it may not fit, with
1: your worldview it it may not fit with your politics it may not even fit with what your experience has been in your own industry or your own business your own role Um, you might look at what the stock market's doing and and just be puzzled Um, and and you may not believe that it can keep on going whether you're right or you're wrong, just just recognize when you start betting the farm one direction or another, that's when people get burned. Yeah, I actually had a, a dear friend reach out to me right after the election. I remember talking to him on, on the phone. He wanted to just kind of pick my brain. He He's getting closer to retirement, and uh, he said, man, should I be moving everything into the stable value fund within my retirement plan at work because... Retirement's not that far away, and and I remember cautioning him, saying, again, this is like fresh on the heels of, of the election. We we knew that the vote count had uh, pointed towards Biden, and he he was concerned about that. You know that that wasn't his guy, um, and and so his in immediate reaction, his gut was telling him, run for the hills. And obviously, we just said uh, moments ago that November was one of the best months in history in the stock market, and he would have missed out on all that.
0: Yeah, even though uh, small caps had their best month ever, up 20%, the S&P 500 didn't do too shabby either, up 12% in the month. Exactly. That's an entire year's worth of growth right there. Correct. That's an, that's a better
1: than an average year's growth. All happen in just a short amount of time. And the question is, did you miss out on it? Because of politics or your view on, on what the future really should be having. And that's why our own emotions shouldn't be driving our investment strategies. Yeah. And in this type of environment, it sure feels like there's a lot of emotion going on
0: <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get into uh, our investment strategy and some some ideas that you should consider as well as we as we look at 2020. Um, so okay so the the if you would have told me that we would have a very divisive election and then we wouldn't necessarily even know the results uh, the day after the election and then there would be this sort of, um, you know, debate, runoff election, all of that. And in spite of all that uncertainty, the market was just going to climb and climb and climb. I would have said, no, that doesn't seem right. The market doesn't like uncertainty. But I do think, I want to go back to some of these details, and Josh mentioned them. I, I do feel like the stimulus efforts have been a significant contributor to the rise that we've seen in the stock market. The Federal Reserve is injecting $120 billion a month, which is nearly double what they did during the 08 crisis um, every single month into the economy. And when you combine that with Congress stimulus, wanting to print money and inject and so on, and then you put a backstop in there, or maybe not a backstop, the cherry on top of pent-up demand, the economy is gonna open because we've got a vaccine, and you've got a recipe for the stock market anticipating that the economy is just going to go booming.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, at least that's the way that everyone's behaving right now. Um, when, when you have the government coming out every so many months saying, hey, we're gonna go dump another trillion or two into Americans' pockets, and the expectation is, is that that's going to get spent Right. Mm-hmm. We are a consumer based economy. And when everyone's scared or everyone's shut up in their house, they can't spend. And so by getting this cash out to Americans, yeah, it can help cover a mortgage payment or, you know, help, help put food on the table. But the point is, is that it's quickly leaving your hands again and stimulating the economy. It kind of trickles its way out there.
0: The other thing that's sort of stimulating in the economy, or at least in the stock market, is interest rates being at record lows is sort of like, well, if you've got money and you want it to grow, there's really no place else to put it. You can buy real estate, aka pushing those prices up higher, or you can buy shares of stock pushing those prices higher. And when we look at valuations between uh, price to earnings, uh, market to GDP, we are at very high levels a lot of it also contributed by interest rates. So now what do you do with all of this? We've got some ideas and our approach coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. What are the two biggest buzzwords in investing right now? Tesla and Bitcoin. We're talking about that and what else? What are the other themes investors are looking at in 2021? That's what we're talking about right now. This is The Wise Money Show with Corehorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, my business partner and fellow CFP, Josh Gregory. Every episode of The Wise Money Show is also on podcast. Make sure you check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. Search The Wise Money Show, follow it, and do me a favor Rate the show and leave a comment there. We appreciate that. Uh, I saw a fan of the show shared something where we were um, in the top five of um, global financial podcasts or shows, and it was pretty pretty cool. So go there, rate it, check it out. We appreciate that. All right, so let me let me talk about Bitcoin. I I when we were on our way to the studio, I asked Josh this morning. I said, Hey, what's what's Bitcoin's return? year to date and he said astutely because josh is a genius uh you mean year to date in 2021 yeah and what is it It, well i guessed 40 and it was pretty close you were wrong you were low right it's up 43 percent this year in seven days yeah and we seven trading days is that what we came up with yeah 43 percent It's unbelievable. Now, Bitcoin is now worth over a trillion dollars, okay? It's, what, now more valuable than Facebook, right? Mm -hmm. And so there is rampant speculation going on in Bitcoin now I, we don't give advice on this show. So I, th- we're not going to tell you, you should buy or you should sell or stay away, whatever. There is there is wild speculation. You can't look at Bitcoin and look at, well, what are their revenues and what are their expenses and what th- is their growth potential? What's their dividend rate? You can't do that with Bitcoin. Before you would go out and say, well, I want some of that though. It's it's going way up. I understand it. Understand mm-hmm. it. Um, That's
1: wise advice because... There, there are a lot of crosswinds there with Bitcoin. I mean, there's there's more large banks that are actually giving legitimacy to Bitcoin. They're actually wanting to hold some of it, where early on, Bitcoin, you know, that's the wild, wild west. That's that's not something that we really are going to own. And now, all of a sudden, when big banks start placing resources in Bitcoin, now you've got some supply and demand type stuff going on there. Yeah. But, but you're right. I mean, the story of Bitcoin has since the beginning almost always been just about speculation can i buy it at this level today and watch it climb to a higher level and eventually get rid of it yeah um, similar to the movements in gold because same story like right. gold doesn't produce anything for you it doesn't generate profits or kick off interest to you it just goes
0: up and down in value as buyers and sellers come in and out of that market Yep. now if you think yeah bitcoin that sounds pretty impressive I would tell you that in the past 12 months, Bitcoin's unbelievable return is a mere half of Tesla's. <laughs> <laughs> Elon Musk, you saw the headlines this week, is now the richest person in the world uh, because he's got a company that's not profitable and rockets that blow up or, or whatever, right? Yeah. No, it's just someone called his companies a Picasso. Like it, they just don't all fit together, and it's create it's, it's crazy, but it's art, and there's all this potential, and so. Um, but Tesla is now trading at outrageous multiples. Now, it might, it might. I mean, I I heard an interview, he did an interview on uh, Wall Street Journal back in December, and I loved it. And I'm not a huge Elon Musk fan, but wow. I mean, it was great. Yeah, I mean, you you don't get to be
1: anywhere near the top of the, the pile of billionaires by just being a complete idiot, yeah, right? right? I mean, the, the guy has vision and has ideas and he's crazy smart, but he has been hoisted into that level by a stock price that, you know, you're like, man, does does this make any sense? I, I was trying to remember, you you shared at one point the valuation of Tesla compared to the other automakers. Yeah. Do you remember what that that statistic was? This is well, going back a few weeks.
0: Here's what here's what I do remember is I was watching closely for when Tesla was going to be worth more than Toyota, which at the time seemed outrageous. And then it it was, and a couple weeks later it was worth twice as much as Toyota. Mm-hmm. And then a few weeks after that it was worth, it was worth more than um, the I think it was the eight major auto manufacturers combined and yet when you look at the profits that these it's just no comparison when you look at the revenue it's just no comparison when you look at the number of, of vehicles on the road it's just no comparison and if you're a if you're a, a Tesla bear which means you're, you're not optimistic of Tesla you would point out that they missed again their target for delivering vehicles in 2020 and so I, yeah, it's just it's just crazy. But here's the thing: you can have when you're investing in an individual stock, that concentrated position can absolutely go to the moon or Mars, SpaceX. But it also has the ability to go to zero. And I'm not saying Tesla will or Tesla won't. Um, I'm just saying today's Tesla. I mean that yesterday that was, or not yesterday, but a few years ago that was some other company, right? Mm-hmm. And so just be careful, just be careful.
1: Well, and and keep in mind that when you own a corporation, when you own stock in one of America's greatest companies, you essentially are are owning a small slice of the profits that will come. And that's really what drives long-term what the value of your stock is is worth. And when you have a company that is not producing profits, you gotta look at the stock price and say, well, all right, I'm I'm willing to buy this company because I think the profits will be there in the future, and they will be massive enough in the future to justify this outrageous price that I'm I'm paying right now. But when when have people slowed down to do that calculation and to say, okay, how how many cars does Tesla have to sell in yeah. order to justify its stock price? How much profit does it need to generate to have this make any sense whatsoever?
0: Yeah. And that just sort of that leads to now let's, let's connect a couple themes here for 2021. I mean, Bitcoin and Tesla, there's now so much focus on them that if they slip or if they stumble, I think that could create a little bit of panic. If they continue to soar, I think that will create some optimism. But the rise of Tesla's share price as it's detached from its earnings and sales, we are now at valuation levels between price... Of the market and the underlying earnings we're at uh evaluation levels we haven't seen since 99 and 2000 that'll be a big theme can the economy actually grow can profits grow to justify these high levels i think there's certainly that potential there really is even though i'm big eh, this is way too expensive i think the economy might be able to grow there and then the other thing that seems to be a big theme will just be the fed's potential taper strategy if you remember back in 2012 2013 there was the taper tantrum and if you're not a geek like me that means well when the fed decided they were going to start slowing down how many how much money they were injecting in the economy the stock market did not like it did not like it one bit Mm -hmm. and now it's even bigger so what will the fed's indications how will that influence the market
1: right and it's an interesting world for the fed right now they are giving longer term forecasts of what their expectations and their intentions are you know they they've said they've gone on record as saying that through 2022 they want to keep interest rates really really low yeah Uh, we've never had that much foresight from them um in the past so that's a long time for interest rates to stay where they're at. It's a long time of printing money and just maintaining the status quo to keep this economy on life
0: support. Therefore, I don't think a theme this year will be interest rates. I think the theme this year connected to that will be inflation. Will we actually see inflation? Because it just seems wild that the Fed says we're going to keep our interest rate policy the same for the next two, three years, even though they have no idea what's ahead. That's incredible. That is just incredible. So all of this boils down to what should you be doing? Rebalance, restructure, Did you, should you change your strategy and boil all that down with your investments? Coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is
1: brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane
0: Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Do you jump on the bandwagon with your investments and do you restructure things and put now from large cap, you put a bunch in small cap or international? Or do you shift everything to stable value? Do you rebalance? Do you buy Tesla? I mean, what, what's the wise thing to do with your investment strategy right now? We've got that we're hitting right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Josh Gregory. Make sure you you, you follow us wherever you're at on social media. Uh, the Wise Money Show, we've got Facebook, we've got YouTube, we've got Twitter, all sorts of spots. Wherever you are, we are there as well. Just search the Wise Money Show. Follow us there online, wisemoneyshow.com, and you can get content there as well. So we've, we we have we've said... The, the investment decisions that you make, that's just one area of your entire financial life. They all need to be connected and in concert. And that's the, that's the right reminder as we've talked about what's happened in 2020, what's ahead, what potential themes are likely to, to drive markets in 2021. Now, as it fits within your entire financial life, what should you be doing with your investments? What approach should you have?
1: Wow. What a, what a big question to be asking. Um, you know, this is a show about financial planning and here we are, we've been devoting the first three segments of this, of this episode to just what's been going on in the investment world. And to me, the investment world matters because it has an impact on your personal finances. And I, I guess I want to encourage you to be thinking about not how does the investment world have an impact on your personal finances, but how do your own decisions have an impact? And yes, how you structure your investments is one of your decisions, but it needs to be in the context of an overall game plan, a game plan that is looking out into the future at the things that you wanna achieve in your financial life and creating the roadmap to get there. One of the, the engines that will drive you there is the investment world and how much exposure you get to that. How much money are you able to squirrel away into growth-oriented investments that can build for those future goals? And so, yes, it does matter. Your, your investment approach does matter, but it matters within the context of your overall financial plan.
0: Yeah. Does, let me say it differently. While the stock market is going gangbusters and money printing is happening, the machines working just fine, it has influenced a lot of investors to borrow money against their investment accounts and invest that borrowed money. And they call that margin. The margin interest, so the amount of margin out there, if you were to look at the graph, it's the most it's ever been. It's the most it's ever been. And so our belief, not that, you know, that's wise or that's foolish. Our belief is, is that what your financial plan requires in order for you to achieve your financial goals? Because that sort of strategy, I would call that, strategy can lead to boom and it can lead to absolute bankruptcy, not bust. That can lead to bankruptcy and so is that the is that the right approach the wise approach for your investments in the context of all six areas of your financial life and <sighs> you you would hardly say that 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 is appropriate yeah. maybe for some play money or whatever but you've got to look at your investment strategy connected to all six areas of your financial life so margin as an investment strategy i just again you got to talk to your cfp see if that fits and if so how much if, you, if you're looking at some of these stocks or Bitcoin or whatever, is that the right investment approach as it, as it connects to all six areas or the other five areas of your financial life? Maybe it's appropriate for some play money. I own some individual stocks in sort of my play money side of my Roth IRA. It's not a large portion. I've got a certain percentage that I like to have and just sort of play money. And if it goes way up, I don't get rich. If it goes way down, I don't go broke. But it's it keeps my interest, and I'm a geek with these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But the rest of my dollars are in prudent strategies that complement each other.
1: Yeah, and, and are the funding mechanism for these most important goals out there in, in the future. And uh, t- to me, if you don't know precisely what kind of risk you should be taking with your investments and what potential returns you need to achieve in order for those goals to be attainable, then you, you should Pause right now, you know, that needs to be figured out. This is a wonderful time of year to stop and say, okay, what does, what does my investment portfolio have to pull off for my goals to be a success out there in in the future? Your certified financial planner should be the one helping you drive that. They're, they're not the person who's just selling you some investments or persuading you, yeah, so much should be in Bitcoin and so much should be in individual stocks and let's work in some gold as well or some real estate. Uh, you know, to me, this just should be an overall game plan, not a speculative leap. You know, you're not throwing a Hail Mary here. This should be not a, 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 an intentional mix of investments based on your, your overall plan. But within that an intentional mix of investments is going to have volatility in this type of an environment. That's, that's one of the things that I've been trying to prepare all the clients that I get to serve um, more emotionally, but also financially have them ready for some volatility. Now there are some things that can protect against volatility, some investment approaches that can, um, you know, try to smooth out some of the choppiness of the overall market. I also recognize that we have a Federal Reserve and a Congress right now that are poised and ready at a moment's notice to just keep throwing money um, at a stalled-out economy if that were to to occur. And so there are some safety nets behaviorally happening amongst our our leaders. Now, whether or not that is a good thing long-term or not, Mm -hmm. that's a different question, (laughs) right? But in the short term... Some of the the natural um, uh, I guess, cause and effect relationships that we would typically see in the investment world and in the economy, they're kind of thrown off right now <laughs> by interventions
0: occurring at the fed and and government uh, levels. free free markets. that's free capital markets. i I don't know. I don't know if it'll ever come back. L- let me let me tell you what that means to me, what what sort of Josh just said there is, Um, You want to make sure that you've got great diversification right now. And if you hear that and you're tempted to change the channel, let me tell you what I mean by diversification. Don't have all your eggs in one basket. And most financial professionals say, well, so have some large cap, have some small cap, have some international. And and that sometimes is very hard to follow last year it would have been very hard to follow but you would have been right actually if you hold those, if you held those small caps and so on so stay stay diversified but that diversification is just one approach the other approach that we often recommend is having a momentum uh, approach because a momentum strategy will perform differently than a just a pure diversified strategy that gives you more diversification. You've got two pieces two investment approaches that will not move in the same direction at the same time and together that hopefully mathematically should give you, um, ample return opportunities with collectively reduced risk. Because to me, I look at right now, everything that Josh just said, wow, we've got a lot of momentum in the market. There's a lot of momentum in the stock market, but that momentum could change on a dime. And so to me, I believe in having this dual investment approach, this dual, our philosophy is having two approaches, and I wanna make sure that folks have the right mix, that uh, uh, have a healthy amount in that dynamic um, approach, that momentum approach.
1: You know, I was driving through the countryside uh, not long ago and I, I looked out in a field and saw all these cows grazing and um, they they were in a massive field. I mean, it was hundreds of acres and there were hundreds of cattle out there. These are the beef cows that are going to end up on your barbecue, you know, this summer. Um, and they just had full range of the entire field. So you had cows just all over the place. That is an approach to grazing cattle. You just kind of turn them loose on the field and they're just there all year long, munching on whatever they need to stay nice and fat. Compare that. There's another strategy out there in the farming world where you actually segment that huge field off into smaller sections and you push all the cows into one segment for just a day and then you move them to the next segment for just a day. They don't have full range of everything. You're not spreading the cows out, so to speak. And I was thinking about that as I was driving along and I thought, you know what, those are two different investment philosophies as well. One says, I wanna spread it all out and I wanna have maximum coverage at all times. That's a traditional approach to investing. Maybe you have a smattering of mutual funds in every different sector of the, the, the investment world versus the one that mike is describing that's more of a momentum based it's also a more concentrated approach Mm -hmm. where you say no i'm i'm putting more of my investments in a small you know segment of the the investment world this is where the great growth the grass is greener right here at this time but it's not going to be that way forever and i'm going to move on to the next thing after that it becomes more rotational and that type of an approach can be a real winner in certain environments like this because we were describing earlier on the show that 2020 was, you could describe it as a bunch of winners and a bunch of losers, right? There are bright spots in the economy, bright spots in the investment world, and there are some crummy areas. So the question is, are you going to put your investment chips, so to speak, are you going to put your investment dollars or your cows... In my analogy, are you going to just spread them out everywhere, or are you going to have some of them more concentrated, moving through kind of a rotational uh, approach, where um, you're not you're not placing investment dollars just anywhere. You're placing them where the momentum, where the strongest possibilities seem to exist right now. That's harder to pull off, oh, right? Yeah. Just like the farmer has to have more infrastructure in place to be able to move and segment and everything and and labor involved in moving them we we have a lot more involved in helping our clients invest that way um with more of a dynamic approach it's harder to pull off on your own but with the right combination of this traditional approach versus a more momentum-based investment philosophy you can you can have complementary approaches to investments that do help smooth out some of the the issues that could be ahead can
0: i can i go back and the, the, that momentum type strategy, Josh said earlier and I think the previous segment earlier in the show talked about how emotion can really lead you to make some bad decisions right now, you know, either speculative or your moment. If you're going to try and pull off a momentum strategy, you've got to do so and unemotionally. And that's where our system that we've been using, it's, it's unemotional completely. Because if it was, well, I, I didn't want to have it start investing back in April again. I did not. And so it's got to be unemotional. And, and then that leads to your entire investment philosophy. Your approach needs to be unemotional, which is why I would tell you, work with your certified financial planner so that they can help you be unemotional and have the right approach with your finances. That's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, myself, and all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group, KFG Wealth Management, LLC, and Silver Oak Securities, Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.